Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's Tuesday, July 28th, 2015. We've got some special guests today to talk about Cascales. And uh, what about Cascales, man? we got Ben Keen from Beer Advocate Magazine. What's up, my Jimmy? My summer sidekick. How are you, man? I'm doing great. You know what's wild is that I'm, I'm drinking this... Uh, this cask ale that uh, our good buddy Alex Hall brought, who we know from Gotham and Biber, and I think for years we call him the American cask beer like advocate. He's been you know advocating for cask beers ever since I met him, and he brought along uh, Jason Hicks, who's uh, the chef owner of the Shakespeare and Joneswood Foundry, two places in Manhattan, and our good buddy Davey Lopez from Gun Hills here today too. So got quite a group, but you know. Alex, you poured this in my glass, and I was expecting something like kind of fizzy and you know carbonated. But uh, what is this? Is it a cascale? <laughs> That's most certainly a cascale. That is is actually unusual to, uh, because it's a cask lager. Uh, it's brewed at the Keg and Lantern Brew Pub in Greenpoint. Uh, it's called Grassroots India Pale Lager, five point nine percent. It's it's a little bit cloudy, which a lot of people. Um, um, especially from the UK, would not expect from a cask beer. However, it is unfiltered. It's an unfiltered cask lager, and it tastes absolutely awesome. It's truly unusual, an unfiltered cask lager. It's kind of brilliant. And, and one thing we're going to talk today is about, is about not just cask ales, but about the cask mark from UK that you guys have helped bring to, bring to the States. So, so, Ben, to start off, what do you know about cask ale in America, and do you know much about the cask mark uh, is it called the Casmark Trust? Yes. Uh, the Casmark Trust uh, is the the organisation that runs the Casmark Quality Accreditation Scheme. It's UK based. Uh, it's very fledgling still in the US. It's only in the New York City metropolitan area and eastern Pennsylvania so far. Uh, possibly in Chicago in the future, but we're still working on that. Yeah, I think for whatever reason, and I don't know the answer, um, cask ales just haven't caught on and don't have uh, quite the popularity that they do in the UK, in spite of the fact of people like Alex, who are really trying to educate and advocate and spread the word about it. Um, I I don't know what is the barrier, but I feel like... American beer drinkers, um, I don't know if there's something they don't quite understand or an appreciation they haven't yet gained, but it's not <clears throat> on on par with uh, the respect and appreciation that it has in the UK. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is either. Um, I know, for example, when we were starting out, I, I, we met Alex multiple times, and every time he would say, let me know as soon as you guys are going to start doing casks because I want to be involved. We, for whatever reason, it just was one of those things where we said we want to do it down the line, but it wasn't in the forefront. But I know that every bar that we've talked to, they said, as soon as you guys start casking, send send us over, send us over the Firkins because we want them. Um, and actually, we, as I just told Alex before, we actually are. We just got our first batch of Firkins in 
cool. a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to start Cascade. That's now. great. Cool. So let's talk. Jason, tell us about what you're doing because you're from England. And yeah. Yeah, you're here because you've got a cast mark at your two places, the Shakespeare That's and right. Jones-Wood Foundry. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a chef by trade. Um, I opened a restaurant called Jones-Wood Foundry about six years ago. First call I made was to this uh, fine chappie next to me, Alex. Um, told him I wanted to do cask and I wanted to bring the tradition of drinking beer, session ale. You know, being operative word being session ale. And I think that, and then um, we've been six years now. Um, the cask is representing a huge part of our beer sales. And about two years ago or 18 months ago, I opened up the Shakespeare where I've got three cask lineups plus 18 other lines. Um, we, we focus on um, on British beer, but it's we don't just have British beer, but we don't have the Bud Lights and all the rest of it, but we, we have what we think is uh, a good <laughs> a good substitute, let's say. But I think to your point was the um, the the how the casting come on is more it, it has a lot I wouldn't say more but it has a lot to do with the culture of drinking. So in the, in the UK I'm brought up with drinking pints of beer pints and pints of beer and walking out of the pub as opposed to stumbling out of the pub. So <laughs> I think that you know it's like a we we always try to keep our cask as much as possible. We have well we have to, I brought them with me. We have a, a Joneswood IPA which is uh, by Wandering Star. And I have a Shakespeare Pale Ale by um, Heavy Seas, and we stick around 4.5 percent. We don't really, we try not to go above that as much as possible, so people can have a couple of beers and enjoy it. But you're, but you're seeing people buying that, and you're moving that product at a pace that <clears throat> you're happy with. It isn't like, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you a stat that I just got from uh, Joneswood on 76 Street. So, you know very much Upper East Side, it's not like my other place down in Midtown so I've been tracking the beer purchasing uh, purchasing as opposed to sales and 14% of my beer purchasing was represented by Cascale just wow. in, the, in the last three weeks so this would be the this would be history, you know, really when I'd struggle to sell it because of that tepid beer that they flat that they really don't like but once you get people accustomed to it they, they enjoy it, they appreciate it they can actually taste flavor profiles in it you guys tell us more about the the, the the beer culture in britain and you know why is it that you guys like cask ale so much because it's so different than what i'm used to drinking uh cask beer um never went extinct in the uk thanks to the devotion of the consumer movement called camera uh, campaign for real ale which was founded in 1971 um because so many people were disgusted at the larger brewers uh, throwing out uh, traditional cask beer and putting in insipid, insipid keg beers uh, like bland and fizzy um, and, and chilled down um, and just totally inferior in, in all respects. So it's, it was the only place in the world that it never went extinct. Uh, in the UK, uh, sorry, in the US, it's a uh, much more an uphill struggle because it did go extinct. Um, obviously, prohibition and the big uh, brewery mergers after Prohibition, um, everybody was just concerned with, with quantity rather than quality. I mean, before Prohibition, was Cascale part of the like, American beer scene? Yes, it would have been. Before the invention um, and widespread use of um, pressurized kegs and um, refrigerated cellars. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, for me, it's, it's more about the craft of keeping a bar, keeping a cellar, keeping a bar. 
I actually have a question for you. Do, do you notice a difference in the demographic of who's purchasing Cascales at your bars? Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, up on the Upper East Side, it's it's uh, at Joneswood. Our uh, our business model is based on we don't really care. Uh-huh. It, it's we only focus on a four block radius of the front door. We want to make sure everybody gets recognised when they walk through the door, and. We just we just want to sort of strive to be that local place in the true essence of the, the word the pub, which is what it's all about. Joneswood, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Shakespeare is a completely different kettle of fish. I mean, it's it's midtown. It's a heavy expat population there, and what we find is peer pressure is is actually, and, and also the beautiful, elegant sort of uh, three cask lineup with the person pulling the pint, and it's a show. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's wow. What is that? So we also serve our cascale in jugs, as opposed to the the regular lineups on the taps being you know regular regular beer pint, pint glasses. So I think that people want to try it. They don't want to say they don't like it because they don't necessarily want to sort of have all these people that are standing there with jugs. Like, what are you talking about? You know, going back to the 1990s, uh, the place that, that first turned me on to cask beer was the original DBA in the East Village. Mm-hmm. And it seemed around the late 90s, they always had a lineup of Adnums on, on these great hand pumps on cask. Tell us about Adnums and, and some of these great British beers that, that inspire everybody. Uh, Adnums um, is one of the, the great traditional um, regional breweries of, uh, in the UK, based in Southwold in, in East Anglia. So if you're not quite sure where that is, uh, think of London and, and, and go northeast uh, to the East Anglian coast. Um, beautiful old brewery, um, very, very traditional. Um, I actually have a, a bottle of Adam's Tally Ho Extra, um, which we might crack open in this session if we have time. Tally Ho. Tally Ho. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> You, just, um, you know, we'll ask you questions, but just keep saying some weird English, you know, sayings for us. <laughs> e by gum. That's up north. <laughs> so, Ben, have you done any articles about Cascale? Um, you know, we have not recently, but we are in the process uh, at Beer Advocate of archiving all of our back issues online. And uh, we just put up um, the September issue from 2007, which features none other than Mr. Alex Hall. So, uh, yeah, we have touched on it, but it's been a while since we revisited. Well, ca- Cask has evolved a lot, and I think I'm excited to have the show because I remember eight, nine, maybe ten years ago, a lot, a lot of beer bars in New York City were, were, were doing Cask, and a lot of brewers were just filling up Cask with anything. Firkins full of Imperial IPAs. We, we had one tasting with Otter Creek, which now seems absurd, but it was cool. They had Imperial IPA on draft and Imperial IPA on Cask in the same night. And, you know, I was lucky enough to get some of, some of the good uh, English beers that, that were coming over, like Ridgeway yeah. and Coniston, and they were true cask, cask condition. And th- those st- stood apart. They would only ship them in, in the cool weather. They wouldn't That's ship right. them in the summer. So I think that people kind of like, at some point, people weren't doing cask the right way in America, and like they hadn't had been doing in England. So tell us what the cask mark is and, and how that is going to help, you know, pubs in America. Yeah really okay. educate their customers better well coming from coming from my perspective it's um i mean my, i'm i'm a chef by trade so this for me is the uh the holy grail of of uh, recognition for actually uh honoring the craft and actually keeping up with it so it would be like getting a michelin star for me 
in, in that regard because there's people coming in testing the beer, uh, the, 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 the bartenders um, take a pride in, in, in the way that what they... What are the qualifications to get a, a cask mark Tem- in the uh, United States? Temperature? Well, you, why don't you... Tell us, Alex. Okay. It's, um, basically, it's um, every aspect um, of a high-quality beer. Uh, temperature being the main thing. Um, clarity, as long as the, the beer is, 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 is not unfined and meant to be cloudy or expected to be cloudy. And uh, aroma and flavour. And um, each of those is awarded points. And uh, the maximum is 20 out of 20, five for each category. And uh, the minimum to pass is a 16 out of 20. So it's pretty tough. But it's well worth it for, for bars to do that for the plaque uh, the certificate and all the publicity online and all the point of sale material that you get for free for, for passing it. It's all about the freebies. And then t- what, are, what, are the, uh, <laughs> what are the places in New York City that have the, the cast mark? Because we, we, we host our own, our Good Brazil Awards, and you know, that's what we're trying to recognize, you know, small independently owned craft beer bars in New York City. But, but, but who has the cast mark in New York City? There's currently only four. Um, there was one. Unfortunately, DBA Brooklyn is no more. Um, so Jason's two places, the Shakespeare and Joneswood Foundry. And in Brooklyn, you've got the Kegan Lantern Brew Pub and Lucky Dog in Williamsburg. All right, man. Well, that's cool. Have you guys been to those places? I mean, I've heard about Kegan Lantern. I've actually eaten at Joneswood Foundry. Oh, yeah? Oh, you have? I have. Okay. I li- my wife and I live on the Upper East Side. Oh, cool. So we cool. Meet, we nice to meet. So what is, it, what is Joneswood Foundry for, for you guys? We've only been there once, but um, we've talked about going there a long time, and my wife loves trying new restaurants, so we stopped by, went, went out with a, fr- a couple of friends, and um, we were actually very pleasantly surprised. I thought it was much smaller than it was. I didn't realize you had that whole back yeah, area, yeah, yeah, and it was, it was great. A, we, yeah. we loved our meal there. Yeah, so that was How many cask beers did you have? Just one. Yeah. <laughs> and that's your vision, man. Joneswood Foundry. Yeah. So it's really—it's just a local place. You'll have a local pub. Yeah, yeah. It's—I um, mean, I'm obviously I'm English, but uh, my my training is classical French. I've been in New York about 25 years. Um, chef of some very high-profile. I see you worked at some great places. Yeah. And you work with uh, what? Lagerlou um, was my big thing, and then sort of for 15 years I worked for essentially one owner. And that's when I decided to open up Joneswood. But you worked out with Daniel Balud's catering, uh, Orsay too. Yeah, that was the same ownership as uh, Lagerloo. Drew Nieperant's uh, East Hampton place. That's right. Open that up. Um, so, so yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the whole thing for me was to, uh, to was was to try to sort of rekindle the things that you know I remembered as a as a kid, and the thing that came to me was. Uh, you know, pulling the cascade and and everything else, and and that was the, the the essence of Joneswood, and Joneswood's like a really unique place. All right, man, we're after a great start. We're talking about cask beer in uh, New York City. Back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah. In 1996, El Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. 
In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. We're going to have a new website coming up soon, and there's always some great ways to support the network, heritageradionetwork.org. So we're, we're in the studio. we got some we got great American craft beer guys. we got Davey Lopez from Gun Hill Brewing in the Bronx and Ben Keen from Beer Advocate. And then we've got the British guys. We've got Jason <laughs> Hicks from uh, Joneswood Foundry and Alex Hall, who's the cast mark guy, a cask advocate over here. So what, what is this? It's like we're talking like two shows there's like american beer you know and and then there's the british thing and 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 you guys got to convince me what is it about british beer that, that that i should be drinking cask because i know you guys have a different it's a different culture different traditions i want my ipa i, I want my carbonated beer so why should why should i drink you know flat cascale beer, i mean uh, sorry you go alex okay thanks uh jimmy it's not flat if it's flat, <laughs> it should be sent back to the brewery as ullage, like uh, not saleable. It's, it has a natural, gentle carbonation um, produced by the actions of, of the yeast in the secondary fermentation. It's just so, not so it's totally, totally wrong to say it's flat. It's flatter, but not flat. So, all right, your, your original question. Um, okay, well, as I said earlier, that um, cast beer was produced here in huge volumes before the invention of the pressurized keg and refrigeration. Um, so it's just going back to our natural roots, in my opinion. Um, not necessarily in the U.S. It could be pretty much anywhere in the world that has a tradition of, of drinking beer. So how do you cast condition? Because you know, this is what you're talking about, kind of a natural you know, carbonating as, as part of this casking process. Okay, so uh, it mustn't be filtered. Um, and most certainly mustn't be pasteurized, and um, it should, should be racked off just before the end of the primary fermentation, um, uh, quite often by crash cooling what's, what's in the primary fermenter, uh, racking it into casks and, and priming the casks with some kind of, uh, of sugar. Um, it, uh, quite often it's unfermented wort, um, uh, just a, just a little bit, just to get the, the yeast going enough to to do a, a secondary fermentation in the cask. Put too much in, and uh, you got bad news because the, the the bungs will blow because the yeast will will work too vigorously. Let's talk about some of the brewers in New York City that that could be making a good cask conditioning. So, we know that at Gunhill now the the brewer Chris Sheehan. For a long time, he worked at Chelsea Brewing, and, and they were making casks in the city. Do you think that Christian uh, could make a, a real cask-conditioned ale? Oh, most certainly. I, I've tasted his cask beer when he was at Chelsea. Uh, uh, most, most certainly, yes. It's a good answer right there. Yes. <laughs> you know, <all> right. <laughs> and then who else? In, who else in, in New York area is, is is or could be making a good cask-conditioned ale? Um, 
pretty much most of the, of the brewers. I, I, um, in uh, Brooklyn, have been doing it for a long time. Uh, Garrett Oliver is a, is a master at that. Uh, and he's very finicky about where he sends his cast to, uh, which I find a, a good thing. Because um, uh, there's nothing worse than a badly kept cask that, that will put newcomers off. Um, I'm not going to name any of the other ones, uh, however... What about the bad ones? You don't want to talk about those? <laughs> um, I, I, there, aren't, there aren't really any in, in the city. I've had bad ones from elsewhere uh, that really shouldn't be doing it, but that's few and far between, uh, thankfully. Alex, what do you think the potential pitfalls are for people doing cask ales? Um, pitfalls, uh, if they don't do it right, they're going to get a bad name. Um, you've got to be on top of it, and... Um, the, the, the owner or manager of uh, wherever it's being done uh, has got to make sure all their staff are trained on, on how to look after it. Uh, it's got to be nurtured, basically. It's, 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 it's hands-on work, but it's well worth it. So uh, you guys were talking earlier about bars that serve cask beer, but we know that there are more and more breweries in the New York City area that have tap rooms. So is there an opportunity there Dave, or anybody really, for breweries to introduce people to cask beer in their tap rooms. Is that something that people have tried already or might be a new way to introduce people to this type of beer? I don't I don't know of anyone that currently has a cask, except for I know Peakskill does upstate. I know they have a they have a cask ale. Um a cask this, this brewed in house so. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. Um, Rockaway usually has one. Uh, Brooklyn Brewery has one on Fridays um, it's kind of hit and miss otherwise um, when Chelsea Brewery was open um, on the west side it's, it's long gone now they're reopening in the Bronx as a commercial production brewery uh, they, they tried cask but they were kind of too out of the way for it to, to shift quick enough uh, again Chris Sheehan from, from Gun Hill was the person behind that um, yeah so, so uh, Rockaway definitely does and, and Brooklyn on Fridays uh, off the top of my head, what's this, the next beer that you poured for us, Jason? I just uh, I just poured uh, the Shakespeare Pale Ale, which is uh, brewed by Heavy Seas. It's very similar to the Powder Monkey. Uh, this is this is our proprietary beer. Well, I don't probably say proprietary. Beer. This is our beer at the Shakespeare. Our, our cask. It's about four point four point five percent, I believe. Four point six. That's a nice style of cask beer. I can yeah. drink it. It's also cold. Yeah. So there's temperature involved too. There is absolutely. What is is what is cellar temperature? Well, you know, I want to go back, I want to go back to your original question. May I have a refill, please? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to go back to your original question, which, which was like, the, what's the difference between you know the cascale and the, and what you drink over here? And there isn't truly too much, other than I, th- I think that people that are drinking cascale are, are really challenging the bartender. I mean, you, you you go and you have like a pint of Boddington's, which would be British beer, or a pint of Bud Light, and what are the chances of you sending that back because? It's too cold. It's too warm. It's too cloudy, or whatever. So I think that you're, you know, that there's that kind of interaction with the customer and the bartender. So, so this, this is a. Uh, so what we're pouring right now is the, is the uh, the, the pale ale that we're using, and, and at the at the Shakespeare, and I've got uh, for us to taste an IPA, which is by Wandering Star, that we is our proprietary beer over at Joneswood. Both the. Uh, um, both low AVBs, session ales. Um, you can really have a, have a few pints and control yourself and not get too, too out of control. Uh, and then the, with the IPA, I find that the uh, traditional American IPA is super hoppy. 
Um, in the UK, we don't have the IPAs as hoppy as that. I mean, I'm not a beer aficionado, but from my palate, it's, it's not normally as hoppy. So we dumbed down the hops in this with the recipe. And um, these are just two fantastic, for me, two fantastic beers that sell like crazy. All right. And the other beer, um, Alex, this is the Adams. Yeah, uh, Adams Tally Ho Reserve. Sorry, I think I got the name wrong earlier. I think I said extra. Uh, yeah, this is uh, from 2012. Uh, it's, it's bottle uh, conditioned. It's not cast conditioned, but it's pretty much the same thing. Uh-huh. So three-year-old yeah. barley wine from the UK. And uh, Adams is, is one of the, the funders, um, uh, one of the consortium of um, regional brewers in the UK uh, that allows Castmark to operate. Um, which is a really, really good thing. Well, hey. And then the um, your house beer at Shakespeare, so that's from Heavy Seas, right? Yeah. So yeah. I know that Hugh Sesson from... Uh, yeah, Hugh Sesson. He's, he was sort of the originator of beer in Maryland. He had a pub just called Sisson's that was brewing. Uh, I believe they were the <clears throat> first in Baltimore, and they've grown and grown and grown. And, and I think the cool thing about what they're doing is that um, he really comes from uh, sort of British brewing tradition, and that informs a lot of their beer recipes there. So that's I didn't know that they were making beers. We, for we you did guys. a show a yeah. couple of years ago, and, and he was rolling, trying to roll out Cast Program, and it was working with. Tell us who your friends are that are behind Cast Mark in, 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 in America, because I know that they've created a bunch of portable cask units. I know Hugh was trying to roll out uh, heavy seas casts around around the Northeast. Well, uh, Hugh is all behind Cast, but he's not actually part of Castmark in, in, uh, in the US. Uh, it's Paul Pendyke, uh, who runs UK Brewing Supplies, um, which is the main importer of casks and cask equipment from the UK to the US to enable US bars and restaurants to actually have cask, because the, the equipment, uh, the casks, or the taps, or, or uh, anything like that, they're just not made in the US. So everything has to be imported. So it, it's solely uh, Paul Pendyke who instigated the Castmark program in the US, and um, I'm kind of his, his psychic, I suppose, for for the New York market. He he um, uh, asked me if I wanted to do this. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Just anything to to spread a good quality cask, uh, and I I emphasise good quality as opposed to just cask because he is. Doing it badly is just not good. Uh, just do it well or, or not at all. Just to interrupt you there, Alex, I, I, think, I think that yeah. it's worth it's worth pointing out how simple and, and easy it is to absolutely do cask at the bar. So both both of my places, my cask is I have uh, a section on the bar which is free of taps. I have built an ice bin. I keep the I keep the ta- the 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 the, um, the Firkins vertical. We tap them from the top and the pool is about maybe two feet maximum three feet maximum and it's it's just so bloody easy it, it, it's it's you're, it's, so, you're, you're doing f- fresh cask beer yeah you're not like keeping it with co2 or no 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 it, it's totally fresh yeah that's I mean, what that's what i thought that was one of my arguments i felt that that for a while cask beer in the states people were rolling out these contraptions where they were trying to keep their casts for as long as they could yeah. which to me defeated the whole purpose yeah. of it but that, I, I like the challenge. Idea. That's the challenge is, is is to get people really digging it so that you can go through it. And if you're not if you're not win, winning them over, change the beer or 
you know, stop doing and, it. And some, sometimes <laughs> we've done things where we just take a, a, a pin, which is a smaller cask or, or the firkin, and just put it on the bar and grab and gravity pull. Gravity pull. Which How is, is good that too. different from from using a hand pump? Well, you you can't really. For me, you can't control the temperatures of the cask. So, so for us, what we did is is we we have basically the the, the trough, if you like, that the, the barrel sits in. And it's in an ice bath, so we can dump the water so there's no ice and we can control it like that. But we're obviously not going to be able to regulate it like just changing a thermostat, but you get you get the feel of it. So we'll check if we're, you know, we're opening the, we'll check the beer temperature two hours before we open the bar. We've got two hour window to realize what we need to do. If we need to ice it, we'll ice it. If we don't, if it's already super cold, we'll know that we ice it in an hour. Yes, Jason's uh, correct. Um, however, I, I would like to, to say that we might have to disagree on something. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, if, um, if a cask is going to last more than around three to four days, then uh, I do recommend the use of something called a cask breather. Um, a lot of, lot of people in camera in the UK don't like that. Uh, however, it's been proven in tests... Uh, that, um, that that nobody can detect the difference um, between um, a, a cask with a breather or a cask without, unless it's been set out for several days, and the one without is turning to vinegar, and the one with is not. So uh, there is a device called a cask breather. It's, it's very in, it, inexpensive. It, it inserts CO2 gas into the headspace, but not the beer. Um, which I, I really like like to make like th- that um, really strongly. It does not go in the beer. It just goes in the headspace. And you can get over a week out of a cask uh, to double its life. And that might make the difference between having cask beer or not in a bar if it's not going to turn over within That's three right. to four days. Fair comment. I'll take it. All right. so, so if, uh, if cask... Are you lost now, Ben? No, I'm right there with him. Uh, but if cascading I'm good. I'm good. is partially about sessionability, that's uh, correct. Arguably, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Dave, do you feel like that uh, there among American drinkers, there's a desire for lower ABV, more sessionable beers, um, sort of as a reaction to not that long ago when people wanted the huge hop bombs and the high ABV stuff. I mean, I th- I think it's very much dependent on the area. Where you are in the city? What about the Bronx? Uh, I mean, I th- I think in the Bronx it would have to be a low ABV is definitely a, a positive up there. I think my biggest concern about having a cascale on tap at in the tasting room would just be making sure that we could go through it fast enough. You know, I, I'm just saying though, low ABVs is is my preference. No, no I understand. So it's not. But so I, there I, is high ABVs cascales. Totally, yeah. But I think that for us, in order to go yeah, through yeah, it, yeah, we yeah, would yeah, have yeah. to be low ABVs. Totally understand. Yeah. I, I think you might need a cast breather. All right. I tell you what, <laughs> this is an amazing. It's American versus British beer here on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Right All right. Cheers. All right. Hey, <laughs> tell you.
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. You know, Ben, it's a, a few years ago we did a show called In Defense of British Beer with uh, Alex Hall and some other, some other English guys. So it, it, it is amazing. Like, we're talking about cast beers. You know, in Germany and Bamberg, they have their gravity cast, super, super fresh beer. And, and I do love that, that in every you know, country and region there are these traditions of beer. And I know you've seen it in America. And someone said that if you're making a, a brewery now in America, you should go with either Belgian, German, or English traditions. And I don't know, what, what do you guys think, uh, Davey, at Gunhill? And you brought us a beer, too, didn't you? I did. So what, what I just poured is our, uh, our latest beer. It's called Red Coat Resistance. Um, it's a hop-forward American red ale. Um, it's about 55 5.4% uh, hop with Cascade, Amarillo, and Mosaic hops. So with the Eng- you know English inspired, but it's still an American beer, and I do I, I love American beer, man. I think the whole world does. So, what do you think, Ben? Do you ever feel like you're in, in the middle? Thanks, I mean, you, you guys mostly cover American breweries and beer advocate. Yeah, I mean uh, the American beer scene is so vibrant right now and growing. So uh, the Brewers Association says that uh, as of this week, there are three thousand seven hundred breweries in the U.S. And another 1,700 in planning. So there's plenty to keep track of. Um, but we do, uh, we have in recent years um, really tried to at least uh, in some way pay attention to what's going on around the world. Because, yes, you have all these awesome uh, brewing traditions in Europe. And the American scene is on fire right now. But now you're seeing in Asia and in other parts of the world um, you know, New Zealand and Australia, for instance, um, that there is just as much activity going on. Oh too. yeah, and we're see- and then we're seeing we're meeting a lot of English breweries that are kind of doing American style beers. Beaver Town, even Thornbridge. It seems like a lot of these new guys. But let's jump over. Who is helping you with your cast program at, at, at your places, Jason? Like you know, a couple, you mentioned of- a couple English breweries. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. are that okay. are making. Casts, or yeah. so, so we should I, know who they are. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really. Uh, I, 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 before I opened the Shakespeare, I did a trip to England and I went and I hung out with uh, Green King Brewery and w- w- Wells and Youngs. So I'm very, particularly Jim Robinson from Wells and Youngs, Imperial Stout fame. He's, uh, he's a ledge, and he also lives now in the U.S., so that helps. <laughs> and are they making special casks for you? They're not making special casks for me. Um, in my, na- my naivety, when I opened Joneswood, I, I went over there again to sort of open up the channels. I ended up coming back, working very much with Fuller's, Fuller's but trying to get what they could. And to this day, I'm still fathomed by why you know the U.K. brewers can't, or the breweries can't sort of amalgamate the, the, the containers and send over a refrigerated container that's packed as opposed to no we don't work together now, I know you also have a regular draft lines and yeah. you said you, you focus on British bidders uh, yeah on the draft lines we at the Shakespeare and the, and the, the Shakespeare we focus on um, a, lot of, a lot of speckled hen and green king, green king brews um, also Wells and Young's uh, we still have fullers on tap, but we we try to to keep within those, and then we keep about five lines open for just up and comers, you know, just inter- interesting sort of allegations, all that type of stuff. Then, Alex, t- tell us a, a few of the of the British breweries that are that are doing top quality cascales that we may not be able to get in the states that you can get only in England. Uh, the best uh, Dark Star, um, that goes without saying. Um, but uh, Dark Star is available in the States, but not in New York. Um, there's a, a company called Old Cask Imports, 
um, based in Alabama and Georgia. Um, uh, but unfortunately, they haven't got a distributor yet in New York. Um, Burning Sky. Um, I, I'd kill for Burning Sky here. You know, Ben? I had their Cezanne um, a couple of months ago, and I forget the name of it, but it was really And we, we were talking recently delightful. about like, the rise of craft beer in the South. So you're saying that Alabama's getting Dark Lord cast from England and New York City. And yeah. I tried that's it in that's Kentucky. That's Did you? <laughs> um, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I, I, was in, uh, I was in Georgia in December uh, drinking um, Dark Star beer um, in Georgia, of all places. Um, who'd have thought it? Uh, but yes, absolutely. But I can't get it in New York yet. Yet. And that's a hint to distributors out there. <clears throat> <laughs> so, Dave, we're talking about uh, <clears throat> august brewing traditions of Europe, right? So, for Gun Hill, what do you guys draw from when you're building your recipes and thinking about your range and your lineup of beers for people who might not be familiar with uh, your products. So, um, what what we do, what Chris does, is um, our big thing is making sure that our beers are very approachable for the most part. Um, the even our stouts, which is which are Chris's forte, um, I would say anybody who's had them would say that even they are very very approachable, even for the non stout drinker. Uh, so that's sort of what we strive for when we're making our beers. Okay. Just approachable, and it doesn't matter if it's American-leaning, British-leaning, German-leaning. The, the, only, the only caveat being that we don't add anything extra to our beer. So we, Chris is willing to, to do whatever is necessary to make a good product out there. Small tops and yeast, that's it. Hey, Davey, so uh, you're also working on a, a fundraiser. Why don't yeah. you tell us about so, that? So we are uh, in the process of trying to expand a little bit. Um, we feel it's it's time that we sort of take the next step and start canning our beer. And so what we're doing right now is we're trying to bring in another 60-barrel uh, fermenter so that we don't interrupt our current production, our draft production, to basically be designated for our, our canning. We're going to use the, um, the Ironheart canning, mobile canning company. To can three of our beers we're going to use we're going to can our void of light our 2014 gold, gabf gold medal winner um our and our two flagship beers our gunhill gold and our gunhill ipa so we're, we launched a um a kickstarter type uh campaign so how do we find out about that so if you go you can find out about it on our website you can find out about it on our facebook page or on our twitter page but if you go to crowdbrood.com um and search for gunhill you will you'll see the campaign there, and, and we've got. And what's a, what's your website? Our website is gunhillbrewing.com. Okay, so that's that's something everyone should do. Check it out. I, I love this crowd crowdfunding things and a great way to support breweries. Going back to your brewer, Christian Alex Hall. I want to get deep with you too, man. And you're coming back because for many years you published the the classic New York City uh, like kind of beer newsletter called Gotham and Biber. Yes, I did. So yeah. tell us tell us about that and a little bit about the history of Christian. Who's the Gunhill Brewer? Uh, all right. Well, the, the Gotham Imbiber, I started that as a, a fanzine. Uh, so I used to do one um, in the UK when I used to work for Dark Star uh, in, the, in, their, in, their, in their brew pub. Um, this camera weren't giving enough information for diehard beer geeks, like exactly where to find such beers that are new. So I started my own fanzine kind of thing. And that was the Independent Imbiber. 
uh, and I immigrated to New York in 1999 um, and um, knocked that on the head and started the Gotham Imbiber, which is on the same lines. Uh, basically a fanzine for, for big eats, just like where to go, where to find this stuff. Um, and um, uh, Chris Sheehan, yes, I, I've known him for years. He was. And wait, we're giving you huge credit because Gotham and Biber was, for a long time, it was the, the way to find good, good beer in New York City. You did a great job with that. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Uh, I knocked that on the head uh, and just made it into a website with the advent of... Uh, technology and smartphones and stuff um, rather than just have it as a, as a printed paper in bars um, and, and uh, I also uh, got a, a gig with L Street News as well so uh, okay Chris Sheehan um, wasn't he involved so, at a brewery in uh, New Jersey for a little while a short lived brewery he, he was at two, uh, uh, the two of them the two brew pubs um, um, so I, I've known Chris for years. Uh, like one of the first places I, I went when I moved here uh, uh, in '99 was Chelsea Brew Pub. Um, yeah. So uh, and then he moved to um, Short Lived Brew Pub in Newark, New Jersey. Then at um, uh, uh, JJ Bissings, I think was it. He did yeah. a lot of things, but but going back, like just say something. You know, Chris is a good brewer. He's he's brewed absolutely himself. yes yes and. Uh, uh, many awards as well, many awards, yeah. especially for stouts and porters. But do you see him making a, a – you think if he made a cash condition ale, you'd, you'd feel good about it? I, I've had his cash condition beer, yes, uh, at Chelsea. Uh, absolutely awesome, yes. He knows what to do. He's a professional, yeah, right. absolutely. And Jason, you, you got should, the, you got you the cash one. the Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> we should. So, so it's, yeah, tell us, what, go to, we should go to the Shakespeare tonight and the Jones Foundry, Jones, Jones Woods Foundry. Foundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then other U.K., you know, Union Jacks hanging and all that stuff? Yeah, uh, Jones, would, Jones would maybe, quite possibly, yeah. What are a couple other uh, English-inspired brew pubs or pubs that you'd recommend for beer? Like, I know the Ship Inn out in uh, Milford, New Jersey. Have you been out there? I've not been there, no. You haven't? No. Have you been there, Alex? Uh, I haven't, but I've had their beer. And Okay, I think they, they do. Any, anyone else can recommend an English-inspired brew pub or anything in America? Maybe not. So you guys are really at the. It's, it's funny. You're at the forefront. I, I like that answer. <laughs> uh, there's one on the west coast whose name escapes me, but uh, I haven't been there. Uh, but there is a, a serious English one. It's somewhere on the west coast, but that's best I can do. I'm afraid. <laughs> so I guess I guess we should spend a little more time trying trying some of these English inspired Maybe we should go down to what Kentucky. Georgia and Alabama and try the Dark Lord. I don't know. I, I actually, dark, I actually, dark think, I actually dark think there's, there's a brewery in Vermont that uh, is English inspired in, in Burlington. Um, well, you, got, you, you got, you got yeah, one? Queen City. Queen oh, Queen City. Yeah, they do some German stuff too, but um, definitely old world. You've you got know. a Wandering Star, Massachusetts, which we're going to taste in a second. Let's taste it right now. Come on. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. What about? Uh, there's, um, I forgot, uh, Baltimore. There's uh, Pratt Street. That, that's, that's English. That's English. Pratt, Pratt Street Brew Pub in, in Baltimore. So you, you, you guys are, uh, you got an uphill battle, but we're looking forward to it. So Casmark. Check it out. You can learn about places that are that are qualified to serve an English cast condition ale. Right now, there's only four in New York City. And um, Ben, anything else you want to wrap it up with? Um, I would encourage people. Uh, we started off the show talking about how even uh, when did you say Camera was founded? 1971. Yes. So all these decades later. 
cask beer is is still sort of overlooked, I think, at a lot of parts of the United States. So I would just say, um, if you uh, find yourself at a bar that has a cask beer on tap, ask some questions, give it a try, try to learn something about it. Um, and, it, it, you know, as, as we're trying to say here, there can be some really delicious results if you... Uh, Go down that road. And another shout-out. You don't necessarily have to be an English-style pub or brewery. But Absolutely not. You guys there. brought, you brought um, some casks from Keg and Lantern, which is in Brooklyn. It says a brew pub as well, right? I, I brought a growler of, of uh, their cask beer, yes, um, which, which is a cask lager, which is the first beer we tried uh, on, this, on this show. Uh, really good. Uh, so that just proves that it's not just ales that can be cask conditioned successfully. But so that that's that can happen. Uh, there can be brew pubs that, that can also do cash condition ales, and we should look for them. Absolutely, yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. We learned a lot of things on the show, and uh, I don't know, man, but I still like my American craft beer. But <laughs> but I, 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 I love I love some of their British, British beers too, and, and it's also really exciting that what's happening in England. Well, there's a lot of new breweries, and, and you know, I mean, are, are you bringing in anything like Beaver Town or Thornbridge at your place? Yeah, well, I, I bring in whatever I can, to be honest. I mean, it, it's so sporadic, the, what's available. I mean, the, the idea was was that I, I went to see the breweries, and I asked them to try and help me bring in some of the obscure, obscure little breweries, like the Boddingtons, not Boddingtons, uh, Donningtons, and all these little Hook Nortons and all these tiny little breweries. Yeah, Hook Norton. But it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. I'll say this. It makes me just want to travel the whole world, you know. And, Ben, <laughs> you're doing it, right? Uh, when I can. When you yeah. can. Here and, and there. And, Davey, we should, we should be able to – we should take a trip to Gun Hill. The next trip should be to the Bronx. Always, come up to, the, always oh, yeah. come up to Gun Hill. Seven days a week we're open. All right. Well, we've got to close out. This has been a great show. We could go for two hours, but it's, it's supposed to be 45 minutes. I love you guys. Love our listeners. Love the team here. Thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Ben, Jason, Alex, and Dave for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seid and Justin Kennedy, our engineer, Jack Inslee. And before we close out, today's music break was provided by Rectech. Also, thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes and feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org. Next up, we have a teaser clip of Danny Bowen of Mission Chinese Food talking the intersection of food and family. Danny Bowen is cool, man. Guy's got balls. You know, open a Chinese <laughs> restaurant, gets shut down, opens another one, you know. Eat Your Words, another great show on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Thanks, you know, we weren't the the most well-off family growing up, so we, we always ate at home. We didn't go out to restaurants that often. Acclaimed chef Danny Bowian of Mission Chinese has fond memories of food and family. And and my mom cooked, you know, for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and yeah. I was just so fascinated. I'd always stand in the kitchen and cook with my mom, which is... Um, it was amazing. You know, it was, like, really cool. Uh, it was a good time. that We'd always spend that time together. And I think that's what really inspired me to to want to cook. And, and it was cool because for that, you know, hour and a half that we ate, or hour that we ate every night, you know, the whole family was there. And my dad was there, and he worked, so I got to see him and talk to him. So it was cool. I thought, well, I always thought that, like, cooking and bringing people together, uh, being able to hang with your friends or your family is, is really important. I think that was one of the major reasons that I wanted to cook. I didn't know that once I started cooking, I would never see my family or friends because I'd be cooking all the time, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's uh, you see them when they come to the restaurant. You're fostering friendship and family for other people, right, I guess. Right, right, right. Good times. Yeah. This was an excerpt of episode 100 of Eat Your Words, hosted by Kathy Irway. 
all episodes available on heritageradionetwork.org and iTunes. This piece was brought to you by escapemaker.com. Visit a farm, escape through the net, escapemaker.com. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.